Hello and welcome to episode 20 of the Playthrough Podcast, a podcast in which four young and vibrant gamers talk about old and middle-aged games and podcast about them, which is the important part for your benefit. And welcome, dear listeners, once again. And I'm joined, as usual, by the hopefully erudite, but always zany, motley crew of Andy Gilmore. Good evening. Hello. Matt Christensen. Good evening. And Jim Middleton. Hello. Who is the only right, actually young and vibrant guy here. So He knows it. You're, you're the eldest. You're the eldest <laughs> statesman. And, and the, the one in the highest quality is just Jim's HD, right? The rest of us, of us we, I mean, Chris, you look like an old used VHS tape. VHS, yeah. <laughs> Andy, I don't even want to go there. That's just what, that's just what you look like in your 30s. It's, uh, it's uh, now that we're... Uh, I think we're all in our well, all of us, but from Jim, are in our forties. We've got we've gone back into standard definition. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just getting into the swing of things. You don't see, you don't even see a CD in Kentucky Route Zero. So I'm just getting into the swing of ah, things. I'm yeah, true. Dressing for the occasion, I would like to say. <laughs> <laughs> He's we'll not far off a cardigan. <laughs> well, it's, it's freezing in this house. It's so cold. <laughs> Like, I, I refuse to put the heating on before October, but I am actually quite cold. <laughs> the kids are the kids are sitting under duvets. <laughs> you can't put the heating on in September, though, can we? Oh, I've had it on for weeks. <laughs> well, you do live in the on the edge of the Arctic Circle. <laughs> well, I was I saying no heat until trick or treat. <laughs> oh, that's a bit late. <laughs> I think it's. Uh, I, I, I think that probably stems from my childhood. It's either you become your parents or the opposite of them. I think, don't you? And we were the exact same. My dad was such a tightwad when it came to putting the heating on that, just out of principle, the minute it's even, if it drops even in close to a single figure, I just go and put the heating on. Do you know what though? The, uh, when we when we do these episodes, the longer it goes, the warmer I get. I think it's all the hot air coming from you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Warms me up. Mm. Or the waffle. Here we got another waffle on the horizon, we haven't have. we? Waffle three point Yes. We're not far off now. Now we've got a few scares to go before then though. Uh, we do. Uh, assuming we all survive the experience as well. Yeah. <laughs> it might just <laughs> it might just be a it might just be a three game series next time. Once we've returned from therapy, we'll uh, <laughs> crack on with Waffle three Anyway, what's the breaking news? Mads, breaking news. You got any? Nah, nah, not really. <laughs> okay. Not that it? Yeah, that is it. I've got nothing <laughs> that's good shot and sweet. I like it. And that's the end sweet. of the podcast, listeners. So thanks for joining us. Life has been miserable, so let's not go there. <laughs> but you have got a puppy. I have nice. got a puppy, yes. Oh, that's... And it's very cute. And it's called Little Monster. So. And it is Friday. And it is Friday. And, and, I and have, you are sipping I've got some, some red wine in my glass here, so everything's good. So it's all beautiful. Yeah, all there we go. We're on the turn. Andy Gilmore, what's your breaking news? I've bought an arcade. <laughs> yes. Ooh, yes. Really? Yes. Nice. Yes. So um, I tentatively so bought but not got, so awaiting delivery. But um, uh, Chris knows a wee bit about this. Actually, I was back down in London for some training, so the two of us managed to get out for lunch. So I was filling him in on all the details. But uh, you've not through... bought Chris's, have you? No, <laughs> I'm not he, Steve he, Erickson. He refused to part with it. It's uh, no. What I managed to get was through the um, UK VAC forum. There was one that was up for that that was for sale that I was actually really keen on that I missed out on. Uh, there's a guy who sells quite a few arcades on there. Um, 
And I was a wee bit gutted to miss out on that one, to be honest. But then he very kindly emailed me back shortly afterwards and said, actually, I'm thinking about selling one from kind of like my own collection, if you'd be interested. Uh, so it's a title, Egret 2, which oh, is... Yeah, it's absolutely... And it's in, literally, it is in immaculate condition. It's so nice. It's perfect. Um, yes. So hopefully that's going to get delivered. I'm waiting to hear, but I guess at some point over the next week or two. So um, I am very, very excited about that. So um, so the Egret 2, is that the model that actually has that the, the swivel um, monitor? Yeah, so exactly that. So it's got that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. that's so, brilliant, mate. That's brilliant. Yeah, so you it's can not turn even it, hard to do. No, I, w- I was watching a few YouTube videos mm. of it, and you can literally do it within five minutes. It's a case yeah, of flip really. the control panel, lift up the bezel. Uh, you just need to undo four wing nuts at the corners yep. of the monitor, and then it's effectively on a drum, and it just swings round, then fold it back down, fold it back yeah, down, and exactly. That's you're good to go again. Yeah. Mm. So um, it kind of killed. I-, I thought it was a good one to go for as well, from the point of view that it's uh, you know then you can play pretty much every game as they were meant to be played, and. Yeah. For the time being, um, I mean, it's uh, just a standard jammer connector that's on it. But uh, as with Chris, uh, through the UK VAC form, there's a guy there who um, sells some really nice um, PC setups uh, that are set up for MAME. And I basically kind of, I'm going to go for that initially, just put a MAME PC inside it and then mm. decide what I want to do longer term. But it just means that you can, which is what I wanted the arcade for, is that I'm not, at this point, I'm not overly excited or interested about the kind of the restoration side of things. Although there will be, you know, in the longer term, it'd be great to get into the maintenance side of things, which you'll have to do. But basically all I wanted to do was play games on it. So um, yeah. that will be here uh, fairly soon. And uh, it's, so. a, it's a proper beauty. I've seen some pictures of it. It looks mm. stunning. Yeah. Sounds brilliant, mate. Yeah, Congrats. so very big. Yeah, I'm absolutely over the moon about that because I was getting a wee bit despondent about it. I was sitting here thinking, oh, I'll never get one that kind of either what I'm looking for or kind of a, a semi sensible price. But um, a little bit of patience pays off now and again. So that's great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is very much my breaking news. Awesome. Good breaking news. Yes. I'm worried about what we're going to talk about now in the next episode. Why is that? Because we've we've been talking about your getting your arcade machine. Oh yes, feels like forever. Now start, what are we going to talk I'll, about? I'll start looking for a second arcade. Don't worry. A new projects. Need we need new yeah. projects. <laughs> you need one with the steering wheel now, Andy. Yes. Ooh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we Tell can just uh, double up on the Ellen news. Yeah. Yeah. We have to. There's none. Yeah. There is no breaking news. Alan's gone. Well, for now, so we should we should at the end we'll hold a minute silence before the outro music for Alan because I think we have to face facts. He's dead. Yes, yeah. don't we? Just I won't tell the children. They grown, <laughs> they they grown quite attached to him. Well, like I say, they just think every seagull is him, so it's fine. There's plenty of them left. <laughs> I'm talking about my children. Okay. <laughs> they listen to, listen to these episodes. <laughs> Jim, what's your breaking news? I finished a project. Well, semi finished it as well. I'm in the games room at last. Apart from I've just it got looks beautiful. Oh, cheers. I've um, just got a little bit of like lighting and stuff like that to do. But yeah, mm. it's uh, it's it's done. I need a new a sofa and TV and but all that's got away. CRT, you know, funds, CRT, funds, lack of getting in the way. Um, so you get a CRT TV for CRT TV for free if you look hard enough. I've got one in the attic with a little built-in VCR, but oh it's yes, just, uh, it's just a little four, fourteen inch. It's nice. PS5 will look amazing on that. 
It's all about the future now, Chris. <laughs> Can't live your life Will in you? the rear view mirror. <laughs> so I've got it's my 14 inch CRT set up right here. It's always permanent set up on my on my desk. <laughs> I, I'm saying that with like a shelf full of like cartridges and plastic and yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen all your PS2 games. You can't hide from those. Yeah, yeah. You're old like the rest of us. <laughs> not old, not as old. But other than that, yeah, it does look it does look really nice, mate. Cheers, cheers. And yeah, you've done no, it all yourself, haven't it. you? Um, well, we've had builders in, so I've like moved the wall. The builders have done all that and the plastering. Um, I've done little bits here and there, but yeah, I can't take all the um, all the credit for it. Just uh, on the off chance that they do listen, which I very highly doubt. <laughs> but- <laughs> well, I like the acoustics anyway. <laughs> Cheers. So there is probably one piece of news that we should mention. So Sir Clive Sinclair. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly yes, passed away. Very so. sadly. Yeah. yeah, I guess that yeah, means a lot more to you guys than to me, of course, as a, as a Dane. I've never really been introduced to the Specky before, uh, well, last couple of years, really. But uh, for you guys uh, and for the British computing scene as such, it was a huge, huge thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think. Well, I I know I started off with a with a with a with a forty eight k you know the plus model. That yeah. my first ever game that I bought was a was a Spectrum. I've got that up on there. Hysteria, I think it's Hysteria. I don't know how you pronounce it. It's not a good game, but that was the first game that that I ever bought. I've still got the original one. Yeah, I mean, you know, won't be sat playing these games and sat where I am today talking to you guys with with without without that influence. So yeah. Mm. Yeah, I think it's. It, I think it's very easy to understate just quite what him and his company did for for computing, particularly in the UK, but I'd say probably across Europe as well. Mm. Because before the Spectrum, computers were out of the reach. They were around, you know, but they were out of the reach for either those who didn't know how to solder components together or didn't have a lot of money. You know, when he when the Spectrum was released, or sorry, when the ZX eighty one and then the Spectrum was released, you know they they were affordable uh, and they were assembled and and people could use them, and it kickstarted that you know and the others kickstarted the generation of of people then who uh, be, were hobbyists and lots of them went on to be game developers and other IT professionals and the, I think it's. You know, we probably will never know just how influential he was, other than to say it was undoubtedly massive. Quite what he was like as a person, I'm not sure. You know, you hear different things, don't mm, you? I think yeah. he was. I think it's well known he wasn't a huge computing fan himself. You know, his dream was to create the the C5, which he he did probably to the uh, push the nuclear button on his own company in doing so. But <laughs> quite famously, wasn't massively into computers and. Wasn't really a huge gamer himself, but I think what he did facilitated those who, who, who were, and have done has done so now for forty years. Yeah. So, but then you look at you things know. like the C five, and clearly ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yeah, in some ways, in some ways, yeah. I mean, he was just a you know he was a, a crazy inventor guy, wasn't well, he? Well, yeah. Who also a very very clever businessman, and that's what he was. As well, probably more than anything, was you know he, for 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 years he he made lots of money and he was clever and he spotted that gap in the market and uh, with with the with the early Sinclair computers and he you know he, he nailed it. Um, so rest in peace, Sir Clive. It also tells us as well that you know these early computing pioneers, you know that we've been lucky enough they've been around during our lifetime, but mm. it's inevitable they will go. 
Yeah. That's it's a sad fact, you know. They, they are all getting older now. Yeah, and I think sadly as well, with regards, uh, Clive, I, I don't think he did that much in the way of interviews, did he? No, he was quite shy. Yeah. I think very shy. Um, John V, you know, on our Discord, mm. I don't know whether he was talking the Retro Asylum Discord or yes. yeah, I think it yeah, was. Yeah, using that. Yeah, yeah, he was saying he was at a uh, one of these, you know, the, the Centre for Computing History, do these gaming nights, and I think there was a special event there a good few years ago. And when he heard it was very mean in the seventies, but he 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 didn't want to speak to anyone yeah. or. Um, you know, either either kind of you know address the room or have people going up to him to talk to him. Yeah, and which may have been to do with his health rather than his personality. But I think he was notoriously, uh, you know, like a lot of people who were in that realm, probably not the most charismatic. You know, me- meant with all the love in the world, but you know, was you know, probably had that kind of nerdy tendency to him. Like, like you know, <laughs> like we all do to some extent. Yeah. Yeah, but, but particularly yeah, at a time where it was maybe sort of less recognised and sort of was seen as a more negative quality than what it's viewed with now. Yeah, it definitely feels like you know a significant loss though for the industry, and I know he hasn't been prominent for many many years, but certainly from my childhood, one of the uh, one of the true greats. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was actually I was doing a quick bit of googling because I had almost completely forgotten about it because I always think of my kind of my first gaming experiences being when I got my original NES. But similar to you guys, it was a forty-eight K that my uncle gave my dad. That was kind of my first exposure to it. But then subsequently, it must have been maybe the following Christmas or the Christmas after I got the one two eight K. And I think it was I was just doing a quick bit of googling. Is it called the Action Pack, the one that had the light gun phaser with it? I think and, so. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I just disappeared off down a rabbit hole of looking at all the different games that came out with that as well. And it was, so that must have been, what, 86 or 87, something like that? 80? Yeah, it was, I think, yeah, it was definitely one of the later ones, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, but like even then... Probably, so I, probably I one of those made by Amstrad, actually, wasn't it? It would have been at that stage. Yeah, that rings a bell. Yeah, so I would have been, I think, five, six, seven. Yeah, so six or seven by that point. But then I suppose because it had a... Um, a conversion of Operation Wolf on it as well. Mm. And so, you know, there you were at six or seven years of age playing effectively what, as far as I was concerned, was an arcade game with a light gun in your house. Arcade and that was, perfect. Yeah, in my eyes it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Murdering people at the age of five with your light gun. Oh, yeah, there was, uh, yeah, yeah, there was, there, there was no, um, there, was, there was very little, um, Screening that went on in my household, it was uh, that. and God, I miss the 80s. Oh, yes. And then I was straight down to watch a Schwarzenegger film afterwards as well with my brother. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. God, yeah. So so changed. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. A- a- an industry pioneer, for sure. Yeah. And uh, one, I'm sure, that will be sorely missed and yeah, thoughts with his with his friends and family. It was only very recent. Only yesterday it was announced. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, R.I.P. Sir Clive. Absolutely. And no doubt over on Retro Asylum we'll be doing something to mark it as well. Yes, and uh, thanks so for the memories. What place. memories they are. Mm-hmm. That's what's got us all started. So, here we go then. Par 5, Kentucky Route Zero. The end. It's the end. No. Chris, we know like how you been... love your numbers. I think, did you, did you even say which episode number this was? Of course I did. Oh, it's episode good. 20, man. <laughs> It's a landmark episode. Okay. <laughs> and episode 20. And we're here to talk Act 5 of Kentucky. But before we do that, there is the interlude, of course, mm. to talk about as well. Yeah. 
Um, not the final interlude. We'll talk very briefly about the, the final extralude epilogue um, that was at the end of the game, which I certainly didn't see, but I know at least one of us did. Mr. Middleton, well done. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the interlude between uh, parts Act 4 and Act 5 is called Un Pueblo de Nada. Nicely which, done. Un Pueblo. Yeah, which tran- Pueblo. <laughs> Puebla? Pueblo. Pueblo. <laughs> Easy for you to say. <laughs> you, Matt, this is not a Germanic language. You can't speak Spanish as well, can you? No, no. No, that's good. Um, <laughs> I, I can get my so daughter if you can. Translates to a people of nothing or a town of nothing, yeah. I think, depending on depending on uh, how you say it. And uh, it was released January the 25th, 2018. So for, for those keeping, keeping track of these things, that's 18 months after Act 4. And two years, two years before Act 5 was finally released in January 2020. <laughs> uh, and it, it did, before we get into it, I mean, it did make me think how cool it would have been. How cool it would have been just to have these things just shadow drop. You'd not, you'd been 18 months since you'd played Act 4. If you were a fan of the game, all of a sudden, you know, if you're keeping across social media feeds for a cardboard computer, you would have just seen, oh, we've released an interlude. Imagine how exciting that would have been if you were a fan of the game. On the other hand, I would have had to play the game all over every yeah. time something new dropped because <laughs> my memory it. is just so bad. <laughs> I'm the exact same. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. It's like, I don't know whether you guys read the Song of Ice and Fire yeah. book series. Yeah, which, so that he's at the moment, he's about nine or ten years between, between volumes. So this is Game of Thrones book series. Do you think he'll ever finish it? No. And again, meant with as much love as possible. I kind of, I think the best thing that could happen to that series is for George R. R. Martin to die. (laughs) Just like, just well, just like they could just stop writing. Maybe (laughs) Robert Jordan would never have finished Wheel of Time. He would never have finished. He was incapable of doing it. He had to die so Brandon Sanderson could come along and finish it. Yeah. So, so if you've read the the last Cola books, it it actually it becomes a bit of a mess in the end. So I'm I'm afraid that he do he doesn't know how to end that story. Yeah, that's well, that's my concern. Mm. I would tell him to watch the TV show and then do the complete opposite. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but what do I know? <laughs> Welcome to episode one of a Song of Ice and Fire yeah, yeah. read along podcast. Now, not at all. Yeah. Anyway, I think it would have been pretty cool just to yeah. see these things shadow yeah. drop. But we we are playing them all, and we've got the benefit, I suppose, of being able to play them all pretty much consecutively. Mm. So Un Puebla de Nada is a kind of one scene interlude taking place during a broadcast from WEVP TV studio. So this is the TV studio that we've heard lots about over the previous four acts and various interludes. It's the one that we learned in Act 4 that Weaver Marquez worked for for quite a while. And we very quickly hear that there is a there's a storm outside. Um, and I quickly, and I've got a note here, came to the conclusion that this must be, this must be the, um, we're watching what happened here on the night of the flood mm. when they talked about Weaver's final broadcast, their pirate broadcast. And then the and then the flood wiped out the TV station. So this game does a lot of this jumping around in terms of the chronology and the time. So in Act Four, there were people talking about that that had already happened. Yeah, yeah. Here we are watching it, and Act Five immediately follows it. So it's very difficult to kind of piece together time. You know, it's almost like River Time, kind of almost 
it feels like the events of the game are being jumbled up, but yeah, it matters not in 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 the in the grey scheme of things. What did you guys think of this before we get into some of the some of the details? Did you? It, it, it kind of felt to me like it was the most conventionally point and click like. Yeah, yeah, that's why I've got. Of the yeah, whole it feels series. like a traditional sort of point. Well, yeah, it's just nah. traditional point and click. It, it definitely didn't feel gets. like a traditional point and click. You need to play some traditional point and clicks, mate. It, it, most like a traditional yeah, point it's, and click. It's I think. still, it's just a uh, an interactive story that you drive forward by clicking that's all i mean you you Mm -hmm. don't need to combine stuff you don't need to think you just need to scan around the room and okay i'm gonna click that that thing and then i'm gonna click that thing and but i I went into the game thinking we're we're gonna be playing a point and click type experience Mm -hmm. so this was the most for me it was the most the closest it got anyway i think for me for me it both this interlude and the uh, the next section were um, mechanically the most boring parts of the entire game because of the the way the interaction was made. I mean, in in this section, you are standing still and you're turning around and you're clicking Inside. stuff that's highlighted for you. That's all you do. So mechanically, yeah. really really boring. But uh, I actually think the uh, they were they were probably my two most enjoyable ones mechanically. Okay. Uh, episode okay. uh, Act Five particularly, but um, mm. for, uh, this one sort of felt the most kind of coherent and grounded of the interludes for quite some. Uh, probably actually for the whole game, in fact. Um, yeah. yeah, I quite like this one. It felt so. so I enjoyed was, the narrative. It's, it's just the, the mechanics yeah. of them were just just going through the motions. There was nothing interesting there at all for me. Yeah. Uh, the same yeah. with the next section where you're just a cat running around in circles in the same town mm. to see where stuff moves and then click it again. It was extremely boring mechanically. Yeah, I definitely got that feeling in, in the mm. next part. Definitely. Yeah, I don't think there was anything particularly necessarily. Ex- the sort of the mechanics of this was they were just functional, and that's all they needed to be. But because of how it worked, I just quite liked the fact that it was kind of all almost done in one take, and mm. you were just scanning around and basically reading information and like I say I think because it actually felt um, I, I was able to follow this much better than what I had been with some other parts of it then uh, the, the two of them went together quite nicely I think both the sort of the mechanics and then the story itself it just it, it felt like we actually were making some progress through something rather than just kind of jumping from one thing to the next and constantly being confused there's definitely, I think, a difference here. Remember, Mads has played this on PC, so has been used to controlling Conway and and the other mm. characters almost like a you know in the pointing and clicking. Whereas yeah. on Switch, you have direct control. Yeah, that's maybe had, true. Yeah, it, 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 it did oh, yeah, play very nicely on a on a click. on a pad. Yeah. So in all the acts, you have direct control of the. I mean, you can point and click it if you use the touchscreen and handheld, but if you're playing it docked. You have direct control of the whatever protagonist you're controlling. Yeah, it makes sense. For, Whereas, for me, I've been playing it more like a point and click in all of the other episodes yeah. because I've actually been pointing and clicking, waiting for yeah. for my whoever I'm controlling to go there and, and interact with stuff. So it definitely did. It was a big difference on the Switch. It if because you had to, you could only play it point and click. Mm. So I think when I fired it up, it did. There was a marked difference okay. mechanically as to how you you kind of moved the the whole interface around the screen. Yeah, it makes sense. So uh, I think that's when I said it was the most point-and-click-like of the whole thing. That That's kind of what I meant in that, at least on the Switch anyway, you had to, you, you physically had to had to point and, and click. Yeah, good good point, man. Um, I, I, I totally didn't didn't make that connection because I've just been playing it as a proper point-and-click uh, in the earlier episodes uh, on, on yeah. the PC. Hmm. 
there's a load of people around. We so we 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 are controlling, if you like, if, or or our point of view character here is is Emily, who we've seen in pretty much every single. I think Emily, Ben, and Bob, the Bedquilt Ramblers, have been in every single act so far. We finally get some agency over over Emily. Ben and Bob are messing around with an old radio, it seems, and listen to ghosts and, and yeah. whatnot. <laughs> and then we've got a well, a strange lady, Maya, who appears to be a guest on the broadcast on this particular evening. And then we we there's 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 a Rita who is presenting, and there's also Cyrano who is getting ready to uh, read the weather report. Cyrano who also played the Rum Colony gig. Yeah, there's a, a Jeff with a G who calls in. Yeah, he did. he's the yeah. best character in the game. Yes, <laughs> I like that. He, there is. I did read something about his voice him. acting was brilliant. Yeah, he he's a professional actor. Okay, and I can't find my notes as to who he is, but I'm pretty sure that he's a professional actor. Um, there was actually a photo. So the phone number that they advertised that you call in for the phone in was you guessed it. It was a real telephone number yeah. that people could call in. And talk to a fictional radio, like a, a radio show. Mm. So, uh, again, very clever. Mm. Takes us back to these almost like these feelies in the in- Infocom days where the game is kind of almost coming out of itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, another cool little bit of trivia was there was a, uh, a, 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 um, what's it, a live action version of this whole broadcast that was, it probably still is up on YouTube. I've not seen it. But there is, with full actors using the same script from the game, they act out the the broadcast as it was. So you're obviously behind the scenes. Emily's producing it, and she's going around to check everyone's lining up okay. But on on YouTube, there is a live-action broadcast that you can watch, which is very cool. We're told that it's broadcast 8,192 and we know it's the final broadcast. Come on, Mads. There must be some kind of computer science. So the only thing I could figure out was this is, of course, when I mean, eight eight thousand one hundred and ninety-two is one of the numbers that that just scream out at you when you see it as, as a computer scientist because it's a it's a power of two. So uh, you need fifteen bits to represent this. So it's uh okay. it's, it's two to the power of fifteen. So it's actually the very first number you can represent in sixteen bits because it means that you set one bit and then all the rest of series, right? <laughs> I knew it. I knew there was something that had to be done. Why? I'm, I'm not really sure why, though. But uh, <laughs> I was looking <No>. for meaning. <laughs> yeah. I think, as we said, we were just talking off before we started. And I think I've got to the point where every single line of dialogue and every single number, I'm Googling for some kind yeah. of meaning What's which just isn't there. Mm. <laughs> what does it mean? Tell myself to stop it. <laughs> <laughs> there are some great lines. I mean, there's a lot... A lot happens and nothing happens here. We get some odd, you know, we get Jeff calling in. Very strange call. We've got a crow called the slow-mo crow. Slow-mo crow, that, yeah. Yes. <laughs> that was lining up the videos. Uh, we learned that Emily took over Weaver's job. So mm. Weaver was the producer before Emily. Yeah. The storm is ramping up outside and the water is coming in through the... Through the through the roof, and we're starting to see pooled water. It's really dangerous. So there's these electrics and pooled water on the floor. It looks like a disaster waiting to happen. And there's and so much talk I, about uh, archiving stuff again, like with the, yes, the other episodes. Yeah, and then, of course, uh, Emily's afraid that the their archive of VHS tapes, I, I guess it's VHS tapes, will be destroyed by the water, yeah. by the storm. 
Yeah, that's right. The sound and effects also, of the storm is fantastic as well in the background. Yeah, you don't really mm. notice it, but it's slowly, slowly building, and then you suddenly become aware that it suddenly, when the, when they mention that it's suddenly sounding, when they mention it's sounding worse outside your eyes, actually it is sounding a lot worse, and it just it kind of happened without you realizing it. It's really well done. Yeah, it yeah. builds up brilliantly. I, I at, at more than yeah, one point, I, I took off my headphones just to check: is, is there a storm outside here right yeah. now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it felt yeah. so real. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was fantastic. Mm. Yeah, and it gets worse and worse as it goes on. I mean, this thing lasts about 45 minutes if you take your time with it. Yeah. And all the while, the storm is getting worse and worse, and the comments are about it getting worse and worse. And it really does build up the tension, actually, because you know something's coming and this storm is getting worse, and they're expecting an intervention from Weaver, and there's a lot of talk about, you know, it's almost just like, well, yeah, we know it's coming. It'll come at some stage. Mm. There's also some really, really cool lines I found in this. I've made some notes of some really cool lines of dialogue. At one stage when um, we're talking to Maya, she says, every town has a graveyard, only usually the town comes first, which is a, you know, a bit of foreshadowing, direct reference to what happens in Act 5 when yeah, we see yeah. when we see the, the outskirts of the, the, or we see the devastated town. Also, this sense of this this repeating theme of things to happen between in the liminal space. So there's a lot in Kentucky Route Zero is what happens between reality and surrealism, between life and death, between in debt and not in debt. And there's and, and go, there's a lot of talk of ghosts existing in the static between stations. And what uh, one of the guys says that uh, ghosts only exist in recordings. They're like a copy without an original. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, one of them said that ghosts are recordings of events that didn't happen. Yeah. I love that. What's that? <laughs> Is that uh, he compares them to spiders. He said you get good ghosts and bad ghosts. And <laughs> like spiders, they're good in the garden and bad in the bath. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. There's so many evocative lines. Mm. One of them says a ghost is just what happens when a person is gone but still taking up space. You know, there's mm. some... There's some really good stuff here, really good stuff. A so, um, lot of talk about the neighbours and the people who initially settled in the town. So the neighbours are the horses, and, and did, did yes. the, the people of nothing bring the horses? That's how it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they brought the horses and then freed them. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So the, peop- the people who came, the people who have nothing came to the town and, and did a lot of experiments, and their first one is that they freed the horses to see what would happen. Mm. Yeah. Um, I love that whether they, they, the... they play a... Um, a recording, uh, like a what was it? So something about the people of nothing. Yeah, that was uh, taken from the archive of Utopian Thought. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah, is that the Spanish language one? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so they arrived before the power power company did, which yes. is significant, I think. Mm. Um, and that was because Ron, the runner, didn't line up the tape he was supposed to line up. Mm. So they ended up just playing this random Spanish language video just to take up the time. <laughs> it's all very, very playful, but equally quite sinister. And there is this real sense of foreboding. And then that kind of culminates when, at the end, Weaver does intervene and appears on the TV that's in the background. Mm. Yeah. And it's actually quite spooky. It was, yeah, very ring-like. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it it got me quite freaked out. It took a, yeah. it, it took, took a turn quite quickly, and yeah, suddenly, it suddenly made you feel very uncomfortable. Yeah, 
Yeah, Ben shouts, Emily, look at the monitor, and then the camera just slowly zooms in on this staticky image of a face. Yeah. but And then there's a big, loud crash, and it goes black. Yeah, but before we get there, I mean, there's this guy, no, no, girl, Maya, who reads some poetry about the, yeah. the out-of-towner who she is uh, clearly infatuated with in some way. Um, so so she reads this, this poetry aloud about yeah. the out-of-towner who is beaten up, maybe even killed. Uh, and, and immediately, I mean, I wanted this to kind of end our Conway story. Uh, yeah, I did wonder. So I, I thought, yeah. the out-of-towner is that Conway, but no, mm. the timeline is totally wrong because the flood hasn't happened yet. And mm. yeah, what's going on here? So what, what was your guys' take on what, what was that whole story about the out-of-towner? He's, he's there again in the act uh, as well. Yeah, I one did. of the lines is "What eagle flew you to your final bed?" Yeah, exactly. And then I thought that was a reference to uh, to Julian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I thought as well. Yeah. But then I think I was like, I was looking for the Conway links, but couldn't find them. Yeah, me too. Me too. He doesn't get a mention, does he? No, he's gone. That that is the end of his his story. Yeah. Well, but the the story. This is the end of the story as such. Yeah. The, the story that we've been following ended in Act Four because nothing mm, of that did. is picked up here in Act Five, is no, it? No, no. This this all happens before, right? Or yeah, am I yeah. totally wrong here? No, no. I I think this this happens like was it hundreds of years before with the flood? Was it? Well, no. There were two floods. I think the one that killed the miners was a different flood. Okay. I, that's the impression I got. Okay. Um, that was the impression I got was that it was a different flood that killed the miners, and I I got the impression that this town keeps getting rebuilt and resettled and then destroyed over okay, and over again. Yeah, it's just a yeah. cycle. Okay, because I assumed that that was uh, uh, spoilers for the end. I suppose before we get there, all the ghosts that you see are the miners. What, what in terms of the people that work in the electricity company? Well, yeah, when she's a lot of when at the very end when she's singing the song, to, uh, walking around the town all the time as well. Yeah. See, I just I took it that that was just the people who've lived there over the years, and that yeah, makes more sense. That makes more sense. Former inhabitants. Yeah. yeah. So we're thinking yeah, that this could sense. actually happen in time after Conway was uh, sent there. So Conway could be the stranger <laughs> or the out of towner. I could be. I didn't get. I, I've got this game. Uh, I, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I thought. I thought this was all chronological. I thought this mm. came afterwards. The chronology is all over the place. Yeah. So so I wanted the out of towner to be Conway because I wanted to see yeah. the end of his story, and I, I was okay with the fact that if he was sent here to repair some ditches and were killed by the 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 people yeah. living there that'll be okay if they just fleshed out that bit a bit more but but we hear nothing else but that right about no, the out-of-towner no. No. yeah exactly mm. so before, I, I, and i was a really hard time yeah. figuring out what was the the meaning what was the weight of this out-of-towner character at all in the prelude and in the the, the act as such i i, I didn't mm. really i i felt I think this is a, a, a reoccurring theme in in both this prelude and the the act itself that I felt stupid playing them because I didn't understand what was going on. Uh, Welcome to our world. Yes. That's how I felt yeah, the whole this game. Is game for us, man. <laughs> for you to explain got, it for me, Chris, because I've we know you're the clever one. <laughs> I mean, you even like Disco Elysium. I'm the emotional one. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. 
The, as the chronology, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I think one thing that I'm reasonably sure of is that, although, you know, I was talking earlier about this being expressed in the past to be, this in, in Act 4, they, they were talking about this flood that Weaver caused in the past. But, of course, the people who were talking about that were the people when we went to that, what was that place called? We got off along the river where the it showed the CCTV TV footage oh, I of... I forget what it was called. Was that the archive of Utopian Thought or... No, no, no. It wasn't called that. But, but yeah, remember, remember those place. two where they the two where they ladies. lost their cat. <laughs> yes. So in that section, that was meant to be way in the future when they were looking yeah. back. Oh, remember when these guys came? Yeah. And it was them at that point who were talking about Weaver being the last intervention before the flood. Oh, true. They hear the name Marquez, don't they? And that's what causes yeah, them right. to pay yeah. attention. Yeah, yeah. But during the interlude itself, was it not a bit? Is it? Um, you need to remind me. So Maya's the one who's just in town for the visit, isn't there? Yeah, isn't that's she? right. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 did she not have a conversation where she's basically offered the use of Ron's barn to stay the night? Yeah, yes. that's right. Yeah. Because, yeah. Of this, because of the storm. Yeah, but then and I thought some, was that the barn from earlier and I was, in the game? I, I, well, I know that the, the barn's the one where in Act Five that the horses are dead outside. Is it not? Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, so that's oh, what Ron I think buries them, doesn't he? Yeah, so I think that I took that to be Ron's barn. Yes, but then it, did, it is. Did, it is. But, but then Ron later the on, the, standing outside of that barn and, and burying the horses, burying the horses. Yeah, okay. but then later on there was a dialogue option. I think where you can see when you sort of start to make choices for everybody, and I think one of them was that Maya says, "Oh, I think I might stick around or whatever." But as though she was going to move into the the house rather than the barn. So there, there was a couple of things here that just made me think that these events happened. After that storm, that sort of the storm that's happening in the in this while they're in the studio is the one that they wake up to the next morning and have to go and deal with the, right. and have to go and deal with the aftermath of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's what that, that's, that's what I thought. So, anyway. so the chrono- chron- there's just some chronology that actually works because you see the the prelude and the day after is is the act, right? Yeah, because yeah, while they're yeah. inside, they're, 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 they're talking about the neighbors. Mm. And as though they're still alive. Yeah, that, and that's how it is. The, in the act itself, you see the TV studio being smashed, right? That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Hmm. yeah. yeah. But it was a weird... I mean, this has been a weird game. I've loved it so far. Um, <laughs> this was, without a doubt, the weirdest two parts of the game for me because I had such a hard time making any sense of what was going on. Yeah. And, and, yeah, kind of graded on me in the end. Yeah, I wonder if, actually... They kind of got to the end of Act Four and thought, you know, that's a really good place to leave it. Yeah, it feels and like then, that to me. You're right. Yeah. Do, do you think they had a story in mind at the start? <laughs> because I think it, it just feels like they kind of made it up as they, up went, as they along. went along. Oh yeah. No, I, I think don't. Chris is right though, because ending it at in Act Four when Conway is is taken away or goes away would yeah. actually have been great, better than this at least. But I wonder if... I mean, I actually really like the ending and we'll come on to that shortly, I'm sure. I love the song, but that's pretty much it. (laughs) (laughs) I just wonder whether they kind of sat there over the years and thought, or over the months and thought, "Mm, you know, we did say it was going to be in five acts, you know, maybe we we should kind of put a a bow on it, Mm. you know, because it did feel like it ended at the end of Act 4. That was an ending. Yeah. Whereas this feels like it's, uh, you know, you've got a cake and you just think, oh, I'll put a bit of extra garnish on it. 
Yeah, can you imagine him sat around thinking, oh, if we don't finish this, we're going to end up on like slopes, yeah. kick scammers or something. <laughs> so maybe this tells us that actually we do not want George R. R. Martin to finish the Song of Fire and Ice because then an act like this just comes out and that that. I mean. Yeah, but there has to be an ending though, Mads. That you can't just leave it. It's like finishing a sentence without putting a full stop on yeah, it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You know, at least this game had a semicolon. Mm. Yeah, Even Song of Fire and Ice really a, didn't. Yeah. No, no, that's been left dot dot dot. Yeah. <laughs> so let's let's get into it when we're, we're kind of moving between the interlude and the act because they are, I think, as Andy has said, and I, I agree, they are Act Five. Basically, picks up. Matt's is pointing at a glass. It's a wonderful glass. So what, Matt, are you what's suggesting wrong with this that picture, it's empty? It look, there's, some, there's something very wrong with that picture, Matt. Well, it while needs Mads urgently. Go beer break. <laughs> while Matt goes and fills his glass up, li- hopefully, literally, not figuratively, <laughs> we will hear from one of our two contributors. Let's listen to Reese Wynn, King Kong Groover. Here he is. Hi everybody, this is Reese, aka King Kong Groover, uh, here to give the thoughts on Kentucky Route Zero. Um, I enjoyed it. Uh, I really did enjoy it. I thought the overarching story, once it started to make sense, um, was brilliant. The story of um, Liz, the way in which I interpreted it, is Lizette wanted to protect Connor um, from himself. You know, because he knew that he was an alcoholic and suffered from probably depression or, or, or something, but kind of, kind of gave up um, on life. Um, so wanted to protect him by sending him off to this uh, this artist's commune uh, on Dogwood Drive, where he'll be protected uh, rather than uh, from the you know the distillery and the conglomerated power company and all of those. Um, the story that he didn't make it through decisions that were almost forced on him was quite touching. Um, that, you know, the stories of debt and death and, you know, exploitation of, of, of people and people not for being able to fulfill their dreams was, was, was very touching. Um, I like the fact though, that, uh, the people who, seemed to make it to Dogwood Drive um, on the Zero and who were effectively protected um, were, you know, people who had connections with people who weren't. So, for example, Shannon uh, made it, uh, but she lost, uh, you know, she, she suffered, you know, she lost Marquez, um, as it, or Weaver. Sorry. Um, that was my interpretation of it. And I think uh, there's probably, you've been probably listening for a while, <laughs> got a completely different interpretation uh, from the four, for the four chaps. But there we go. Um, I did enjoy, though, the, the story. I did enjoy uh, the references kind of went over my head on the whole. So I appreciate the podcast and listening along. Um, and the song... At the end, um, I'm going my way was genuinely touching, especially because I don't know why I was sat there crying, listening to it, um, especially when the uh, the reasons for crying was introduced about an hour and a half before. But there we go. Um, yeah, excellent game. 
not for everybody, um, but I really, really enjoy playing along with this game. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to uh, some non-PlayStation games uh, in the next bunch of games. So uh, take care and see you all soon. So that was Reese. Thanks, Reese. Really appreciated your clip, mate. Always nice to hear your thoughts. Somebody who enjoyed it, a bit like us. Both of our contributors are uh, people who enjoyed it for the most part, but wasn't wasn't universal love, which, when we sum up, I suspect it may well be something similar. Let's find out. Anyway, before we get to our summings up, let's talk about Act 5, which we think, although we can't be 100% sure, starts immediately following the events of the, the storm of the previous evening. By this time, our band of merry ramblers have gone up the staircase from the Echo River. Morning is broken, and we knew that was happening because we heard bed song at the end of Act 4. So morning is broken above ground. We now think that they are out of the... Out of the cave? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, seems like they're out of a cave. And we are met with this... I think, anyway, rather beautiful, almost watercolour picture of a town which has been devastated by by a flood. But they are in yeah. a town, you can say they are out of the cave, they are in a town that you can only get to through the uh, the Echo River. Yes. Or by yeah. plane, right? Yeah. There are no roads yeah, related they, to There's no roads. No. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And they are out they were out of the reach of the electricity company for a long time. Mm. That's one of the uh, one of one of the things yeah. about it. So this is the town. We get scene one, the only scene of this act. No prologue, straight in. Scene one, a town. Town doesn't have a name. It is just a town, which is very similar to what we've seen in other acts with a forest and a grove, now a town. Um, it really is a pretty scene, I thought. you know, The sun is just coming up. Yeah. There's birdsong. It really is strikingly beautiful. What do you guys think about the, the art style and... and and the technical—I mean, I, I just struck me straight away. Is this is really pretty? Yeah, oh, it's the brightest and the most color we've seen for a long thing. time, isn't it? Mm. Exactly. Mm. I think that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, and yeah. the the uh, effects of the light in the water were really good. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Made for some beautiful yeah. scenes. Yeah, I, I mean, I really like the art style throughout the game. Mm. We were saying on on the Discord, Chris, about the sort of AAA games. So these third-person AAA yeah. games all having like a, a very sort of similar generic type look to them, and then you see something like this, and it just, just makes it stand out even more. Yeah. So yeah, I, I really guys, really like the art style throughout. Do it. you guys think that the game has become technically more impressive over the acts? Thinking about you know seven years between seven or eight years between Act One and Act Five, I, I wonder whether I mean. I don't know. We, we were talking last time about whether it taxes the hardware in terms of Mads' uh, GPU kind of revving <laughs> yeah. up. Well, that's just <laughs> bad I just programming. I, I, yeah, I actually didn't consider it being different, Act 1 to Act 5. It probably is, but but uh, yeah. for me, yeah. it, it, Act 1 looked great as well. So Yeah. yeah. I think when, when we go back to Act 5 and we're, we're outside that Echo Soils mm. and it's all very zoomed out, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, and then compare that to like the, even the epilogue and here we've got this sort of expansive area that we're running around and it's all you know it's not zoomed out as as, as much and it's more detailed so yeah, yeah you can, I, I think you can definitely see like a yeah perhaps so going back yeah. to Equus Oils the huge horse head was that one of the neighbours? 
<laughs> probably was probably was a reference all the way up here. <laughs> there is definitely a theme of horses running throughout the yeah. whole thing. Remember yeah. the horses on the on the road yeah. to get onto the zero. Yeah. Mm. I don't. I mean, Kentucky obviously big big into horses. Uh, obviously, I mean it's one of the biggest things in the states, isn't it? The Kentucky Derby and whatnot. Mm. So, yeah, couldn't find really anything other than that as to why horses seem to be a big influence on the game. But we don't control a horse. Horses. There's a couple of dead horses. We know that. That's a, obviously a big thing about the act. But they're, they're in the water. It looks like they've been killed by the flood water. Mm. We don't control a horse. We control a cat. Mm. The cat from that place in Act 4? Just a cat. I thought so. (laughs) Just a cat. A cat. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But it completely changes the way this game controls. So on the Switch, at least, you had direct control over the Mm. cat. Mm -hmm. So, and it felt good. It felt bad, but good. It felt bad in a way it should be bad. You know what I mean? The cat was a bit, felt like it had a bit of a mind of its own, so you had to almost lead it around. Yeah. But it's yeah. actually quite good fun. Yeah, yeah it's a, a bit of momentum. How did it control on PC, Matt? Point and click, mate. I clicked somewhere. Really? And run there. It was, um, yeah, straightforward. Interesting. Mm. Interesting. How did you guys find the cat to control on Switch? Yeah, not too bad. Like you say, it's just a little bit loose. But yeah, no, it was alright. I was on the PS5, obviously, but I, I I absolutely loved it. I think that's probably why I enjoyed this chapter so much because, just a, a very basic level, this act felt the most game-like uh, by quite a long way of any of them. It felt almost like a mm. so it felt like a it, it sort of had a quite a kind of in a very very loose way a sort of Zelda Breath of the Wild type feel to it in terms of the yeah, the yeah, color the, yeah. the, the color palette the graphical style and then just it just sort of felt very by controlling this cat it just felt very kind of loose and carefree and i just liked the way that the cat kind of bounced along as you were moving around and and also the the fact that you you were able to move quite quickly as well so you could cover the areas quite yeah. quickly and then as you were doing so it was um when you were talking about potentially the sort of the progression and the the the, the, the graphics and the sort of the complexity of them and the programming, there was some really nice kind of, you know, it all kind of like pans and rotates and zooms in and out. And, you know, depending on where you are in the map and as you move around it, it kind of all moves around you. I, I just thought this was a, I thought it was a, and the fact that it's all self-contained. And I also thought I was quite surprised. I don't know about you guys, but one of the first things I do when I'm in any new area um, is I quite often sort of run off to the boundaries to see just how much, how much yeah, access how you've you got, yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, 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 and I was, I was actually very surprised. I thought you kind of you had that initial row of houses, and I thought that's that's as far as you'll be able to get. But you, yeah, you, you could go off for two or three, four rows back actually, and there was quite a lot of stuff that you could rummage around with yeah. out, out the back there as well. So uh, yeah, that was a great great level. But there was nothing to do out there, though. I mean, there were no, houses, there was absolutely nothing. But but nothing to I just like running around yeah. as a cat. I think <laughs> yeah. that, yeah, was, a, that was enough for me. <laughs> The actual gameplay loop itself annoyed me in in this scene, which I'm sure we'll, we'll probably come on to. Mm. Yeah. So, so the gameplay loop was this, running around in circles and literally, out yeah, literally what, what can I interact with now? Just to advance, okay, this yeah. guy has gone over yeah, there. Now yeah. I can talk to him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
it was it was perfect for my intellect level, man. So that's what you have to understand. <laughs> so uh, I got disappointed initially because I I started out as the cat. And I thought, oh, this is cool. I'm gonna run around. I'm gonna talk to some people. I can't really talk. I'm gonna meow at some people, and maybe something's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. And every time you yeah. meow, people understand you. Did you do? Did you pick up? Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was cool. Yeah, and they yeah, were. Yeah. I, I liked the fact that you'd meow and it would say inquisitive meow and yeah. meow and it would say yeah. assertive meow and, and whatever. <laughs> and then that, that <laughs> yeah. was that was pretty cool. But then there are all these ghosts walking around this city, this town. Yeah. So we've got all of these ghosts of. It previous... starts off with a few, doesn't it? And then there's more, there's and, more, more and more as and more. the loops. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But some of these ghosts are like standing still, talking to each other, doing some some little little action in in a in a fixed area. But a couple of them, two or three, are walking around town, and I initially yeah. thought, well, there's got to be something here. These guys are doing something. So I started following one of those ghosts, and I got so disappointed. He took me all the way around town, and he was doing nothing. He just, <laughs> I think he got to some point, and he turned around, and he went back the same way again. So I was looking for, I was looking for meaning. I think that's really, really telling of uh, how I was playing this entire act. I was looking for meaning where I couldn't yeah. find any. Yeah. So, for example, in the, in the action of the ghosts, the only ghost that actually do something that makes sense is at the very end, and the five six ghosts looking at the um, the out of towner who they probably drive out of town and kill who's also yeah. a ghost in this in this scene right yeah mm. yeah yeah and really you know you guys have nailed it that's what you do with the cats you run around and you interact with stuff there are various hot spots throughout the the the, the town which is you know a reasonable size but not nothing nothing too unmanageable and those Hotspots change depending on the interactions you have. So, you know, it's not worth picking apart each of those interactions. We can talk about some of them if you guys have got anything notable to say. But really, it is a question of going round. And then after you've had, it feels like once you've had so many interactions or whether there's a specific interaction which causes the game to progress. That's the impression I that I got. Yeah, there was one particular interaction yeah. which led to almost like the kind of next mini scene. Is that what you, you thought? Me, it always felt that when I was moving Ezra's story forward, the story itself okay. moving forward. Oh, by the plane, just, when you'd, you'd, like, you'd go over to the plane. Yeah. yeah whenever you were talking okay. to Ezra and looking at what he was doing, then, then something else would happen. And Ezra would move somewhere else and you'd, you'd go to him oh, and okay. would move. That, that's how it felt most of the time. Sometimes it would be uh, Shannon, really, but uh, yeah. I felt, I, like it was the, I felt like it was the plane because every time you saw ah, the plane, it yeah, felt okay. like the he, plane he was going to plane. sort of take off. Yeah. Ezra starts at the plane along with the, I forget the guy's name, who was working on uh, repairing the plane. Mm. Clyde. Okay. Yeah. And was that, maybe a daft question time here, is that supposed to be a mirror image of what we see on the Echo? Because that's one of the things that we could see in the echo, wasn't it? There was two people pushing a plane. Yeah. And I didn't know if that was supposed to be like, what's happening there is happening here. Probably not. That also happened in Act 1, didn't it? And one of the little vignettes, one of the graphical ones, you could see a plane being pushed as Mm. well. Yeah, I've got no idea. I've got no idea. That's a completely different kind of plane, though, that they're pushing to what he's repairing here. Mm. Yeah. There's a lot of talk of a guy called Frazier. Yeah, he's got the power. He's got to, and talk of him consolidating a lot of power, 
which is an interesting choice of words. I was wondering whether he was some kind of founder of the company or something significant. Did you guys get anything like that from? I haven't got anything written down. No, no the only the only no. note I have is that Fraser has the power. That's 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 what they talk about all the time. <laughs> He, they, they say he was running cost and culture cutting exercises on the town. Mm. Uh, he had flood control plans. So I have got something yeah. written down. Mm. Yeah, he's got the flood control plans. Uh, yeah. Sandra, Ezra's mum. I've got a question yeah. mark there. Is Sandra, Ezra's mum? Someone called Sandra's referred to. Okay. Um, I didn't pick up on that. No. No, I may be reaching. It's, a it could bit. be. Yeah, it could be me that's, that's reaching as well, to be honest. Just, yeah. If if it was, it's not fleshed out any further than that. But they're just little hints that he was some kind of assumed leader. And there's a lot of people saying that I don't know where he got his power from. Um, and then this stuff about consolidating power just made me think that can't be, that has to be a deliberate choice of words. Different people around town talk about Fraser as being the guy in charge. I mean, when you go yeah. down to the library, for example, the, the books uh, have been removed because Fraser didn't deem them important. So there are very few books left because Fraser has, well, I guess, burnt the rest of them or gotten rid of the rest of them. So yeah, that, that's one of them. And there are some other people you talk to as well who have had, they, their lives have been influenced by this Fraser guy. But that's it. You get nothing yeah, more. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We we see five Dogwood Drive. We do. Mm. It's there in the town. We made it. This is what we've been the whole time we've been looking for. Well, it's there more or less. It's it's a skeleton of a house. It's got <laughs> the two walls and a ceiling, but the, that's it. And they Probably say more less than more. And they say it arrived yesterday. Yes. Yeah. It just arrived. She said it just yeah. arrived. Just arrived. Yeah. Did you get the reference to the old text adventure games here? Which one? No. no. Someone says, and I haven't got a note who it says, but they say, is there a doormat? Sometimes a key is under a doormat. Mm. What am I saying? <laughs> <laughs> Classic mm. text adventure puzzle solution where if there's a doormat on the floor, you better pick up that doormat because there's a key underneath Maniac it. Mansion. <laughs> Maniac Mansion. Mi- mist- mm. Mystery House, yeah. Maniac Mansion, yeah, um, Zork. So, yeah, it's a, a very a very clear reference there. And also quite self-referential, saying, what am I saying? How, what, what's, what's going on? Uh, quite cool. Um, really, that's it. Uh, the, the last one I had, the last interaction I had, was there was a conversation between Shannon, Clara, and Maya, and they're talking about the future. There's a lot of talk throughout this whole uh, act about the future and whether people are going to stay or they're going to go and what does the future mean. Mm. You know, Again, it feels like they're in this space between the past and the future and... But- Everyone is trying to decide, look, what does the future look like for me? And do I stay? And, and So as you said Shannon in the beginning, says, this this town's history is of people coming and going. And, and all yeah. of the people there right now are going. I mean, uh, Emily yeah. is staying just to make sure that everybody gets away safely. But, yeah. uh, well, we, Johnny and um, who else? There's a couple of people from our group who's actually staying there, who's going to stay there. Moving into uh, Shannon and Mary, isn't it? I think they don't. They talk about putting a design on yeah. on a horse barn or something. And yeah, yeah. So they're they're moving into Five Dogwood Drive. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So everyone's leaving, but our band are moving yeah. in. Yeah, to become the next. And what does the that next group tell us? Because I'm asking because I don't know. And then, well, and then we <laughs> get a visit from someone from the Bureau, don't we? Do we? And they're. T- 
Yeah. Yes. Yes. For reclaimed yeah. spaces, of course. Yes. That's it. Yeah. 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 It's Mary Ann, isn't it? And she's saying that they've had this, they've had their eye on this site for a long time, mm. and they to do something with. But the impression I was getting at this stage, and I got throughout the whole act, is this is not. This is going to sound a bit. This is going to sound a bit corny, but it, it's this is the end of the game, but feels like the beginning. As well, do you know what I mean? This is like this is feels like the beginning of a new town. Yeah, right at the end. The whole thing, you know, the whole the sun coming up and then setting again. I don't know. Maybe I'm looking. It feels maybe a bit on the nose, but it just feels like this is, you know, at the end of the journey. There's a beginning. You know what I mean? They've, yeah, they, they're yeah, all looking yeah. for something. A new day. Looking, a new day's dawned. You go was, off yeah, on a I'm, new direction. Exactly. That's yeah. basically exactly the yeah. sentiment I derived here with because I think from this point onwards, there's quite a few dialogue options for various things where you get to choose kind of the, the underlying sentiment to it all. Mm. And uh, each time I was trying to find options that, that, that basically represented either something optimistic or a new beginning because I don't know why. I was exactly same, Chris. That that's where this left me feeling at this point was that it was a new start. You know, there's a lot of sort of circles had closed and then there was sort of you know the start of a whole load of new ones because i think i'd also had a really nice conversation where um ezra had um bumped into uh flora and yeah the two yeah, and yeah, the, the i seen two, that as well yeah and did you go for the, the dialogue options that meant the two of them were going to basically stick together from then on yeah yeah and so there was yeah. all these sorts of things that yeah I just sort of thought it was maybe the, the sort of the whole thing felt like it was going to be new beginnings for for all for all these people and that's what I was trying to choose for as many of them as possible yeah and they've all been through some varying degrees of hardship yeah you know, all of them seem to have had some kind of hardship or tragedy and are they're, they're all looking for something. Some of them know what they're looking for. Some of them, like Shannon, don't really. You know, Weaver just told her to go to that cave because she'll find something she's been looking for. Feels like kind of Shannon has been the one really that's kind of pinned all of this together. Has been the one who really needs to find something. But the tone I got from this was probably for the first time in the game, which I felt the game has been quite dark and pessimistic. I actually found that the overall sense I had in this whole act was actually quite hopeful and optimistic. Seriously, I, I get the complete yeah. opposite. I mean, we have a town here why. where the people have have given up. They've given up hope. They're not going to stay there anymore. They just okay. This is this is completely trash. This is not a place we can live anymore. We need to leave. I, I don't see the hope. The neighbors who was their only hope, their, their joy in this world, some of them, I think Maya describes how she would walk out into the woods and be happy finally because she could see this secret grove where the, the neighbors were playing and then it, it gave her life yeah. meaning. And now that's gone as well. And Fraser and the power company has destroyed everything for them. So this was bleak despair, mate. I mean, I, I see no hope here. But then see, the, the power company have gone now, haven't they? Mm. Yeah. So they've yeah, gone. There's, there's, they were they were forcing debt on people and all yeah. and all the rest of us. They were there. They destroyed the everything. There was what yeah. was left right now was a ramshackle old town that nobody could really have a decent life in anymore because Fraser destroyed it for most people. The power company destroyed the rest, and and now even the neighbors, which were kind of there, I even see them as some kind of god-like figures for them. They're dead as well. They're dead. 
I mean, they're no gods. They're just dead. We're, we're going to put them in the ground now. This was bleak despair for me. Did you... It'll be interesting. I didn't take a note off them further down, but I think the... So the the, the options I chose sort of with the eulogy later on mm. left me feeling very, very positive and hopeful because initially there was only really negative options, but then the ones that I got to eventually were talking about... Um, it was just while you mentioned it there, was talking about how the the neighbours, although they're now gone, they basically have kind of, they were there before the town, but they've now returned to the land. And then basically from that, eventually the grass will grow and this town will continue to, in almost the same way that, it's, it's just coming back to this whole idea of sort of cycles and things being cyclical, mm-hmm. where um, you know, uh, there was a line that it was talking about how it was sort of almost selfish of us to want the neighbours to stay because it was effectively their time to go and then um and you know now that they're gone then you know with every with every end a new beginning and all this sort of stuff so i i yeah i i this i think that's why i enjoyed this so much is that i actually thought this left me feeling very optimistic uh you had a bunch of people who were here about they were enthusiastic and they had a effectively a blank canvas to make a place their own and it was i i saw it very much as almost like a a home for a home for waifs and strays. It was almost like a commune where all these people who, up until this point, hadn't found a sort of a, a home now had one. But you say a bunch of people. Been through the grinder. You really have a, a, a town of three people now. That's that's all that's left, right? Four it starts with you. You only need two mads, <laughs> so we've got a spare. <laughs> but I, I do I hear I do hear you, man. And and listening to you talk, and maybe maybe kind of I. I you know, I've overstated it in my mind as to just how hopeful it feels. But the, the way the, the way I interpreted it was, you know, these are people who've been put upon for a long time by the power company, mm. and, and clearly have had a horrendous time, and everything they've had has been destroyed and ruined. Yeah. But that human spirit of wanting to move on and start again and move out of the company's shadow remains. And that's the that's the the impression of hope I got was that despite everything, you know, yeah, it's you know we've been put upon and the the flood has devastated our town, yet we will go on and we will start again and it will be fine. Was okay, okay. kind of the message I yeah. got. Um, speaks to what we talked about last time: how you put what you put a bit of yourself into whatever narrative you 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 dive mm, into definitely. at this point in time yeah i haven't been in a good mood lately so maybe that's why yeah. this is uh this has been dark and bleak and, and terrifying mm. for me i mean even the fact that that uh, four or five well three or four of our um, our little posse choose to stay here seemed like a really really negative thing to me because that's not a town that's a couple of people escaping reality I mean, escaping the fact that there's a real life there somewhere. I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay here mm-hmm. in this imaginary town where, with my imaginary house that doesn't even have any walls, only only on two sides. <laughs> I mean, what, what kind of life is that? They can't live there. They, who's who's going to get them supplies? Who's going to do anything for them? For me, this this was complete despair and, and giving up on life. And, and, and the same got for me. The, it's, got it's, each other. About the, the yeah, well, they've got each other. That's not enough. You need food, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the people escaping this town was pretty much the same because where did the people of nothing go? They just disappeared. Yeah, and now these guys are disappearing as well. So, so for me, this was um, it was a horrible ending, and it was also a horrible way to end this narrative for me 
because I really loved the story of Conway and, and, and Shannon and Clara and Ezra and these guys. I, I wanted to, I wanted to see Conway suffer, for example, because that's what he chose to do. Um, mm. I wanted to see you massacred. Yes. Some, something along those lines, at least. So, so, I, I didn't get any of that. It was like, I, I like the fact that you mentioned the Song of Fire and Ice early on, because this was like the final volume of the Song of Fire and Ice for me. I hated reading that damn book. He didn't know where the story was going to go. He just killed off people right, left, center. He needed to kill everybody because yeah. he didn't know what he was going to do with their storylines anymore. And this is how I felt about <laughs> this, This even, even the prelude as well, but especially the act. They didn't know what the hell they were doing, so let's let's just yeah. do some random stuff. It it it, it didn't it, land with me at all. It's really interesting because mm. I think you, I, I've been looking for something throughout this whole thing, which which has made me feel. I think I've mentioned that a yeah. few times. The game I wanted to love this game, but it doesn't. Like Disco made me feel almost from the opening moment. I felt it, mm. and I've not felt Kentucky at all. Until midway through this act, when I feel like finally I'd got some kind of meaning and feeling from it, and I and I, I, I do hear what you're saying, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. We we kind of project our own yeah, we definitely mental do, we definitely do, and that, that's time. why I I need to play this again at some point because I've been a, in a in a black place for the past couple of weeks. So, so of course that's gonna it's gonna project into what I'm I'm experiencing yeah. here as well. Yeah. Mm. And what about you guys? I mean, it's Jim and Andy. I mean, Jim. Mm. I, I mean, well, th- there isn't a huge amount of kind of detail we can really, you know, we could talk about every interaction, but that would be really boring. And I think if anyone's listened to this and hasn't played it, then you need to go and experience. It. If you have played it, you'll have had your own thoughts on those. I mean, in terms of your, and we'll talk specifically about the ending in a minute, but in terms of your overall feeling at the end of the game at the end of this act you know what what, what did you feel positive pessimistic bored I'd, well i've got I, I so i i took it as like a a positive sort of and i want i felt like they wanted me to feel positive they've been through the grinder with with this uh, with this power company all these people have, have been through the grinder and now they they're sort of coming out the other way and going on in their own direction but it's yeah. funny you mentioned like it wants the game wants you to feel i think it's just been so obscure at times that after doing these loops of just running around in circles just to progress a bit of narrative after how obscure act four was after mm. i felt like act three was going somewhere with the story and by the end of it i just felt glad it was over and just like Ugh. Do I do I do I care? <laughs> well, that's one way to think. Yeah, I mean, you just didn't care either way. Almost, yeah. And and yeah. like when when we come to the ending, and it was it was a really nice ending, like to to watch with with the ghosts and the song and everything. It was and, and the art style, and it was it was a really nice ending. I know it wanted me to feel something, but to be honest, I, I just didn't. <laughs> yeah Andy yeah I, I think we probably finished it was probably honours even at the end of the game I think um, the, the best way I can describe that it makes me feel this game is uh, do you guys dance at weddings or at parties yeah, yeah I'm first on the dance floor <laughs> yeah. shuffle <I'd> <laughs> 
Are you are you one of the first ones to the dance floor? Does it take you a while to get going? No, I do a dad dance first song. I'm there. I've normally I've normally had three pints by then. Though, so, I'm well older. <laughs> so the best way I can describe it, right is it. I don't know if anybody else this might resonate with other people in that case. Is it sometimes it, like you go to a party or a wedding or something, and like there's a party going on and it takes you. There's some good music on and you don't get up and dance right away and then. You sort of hang around on the sidelines and then eventually in the last hour you think, do you know what, I'm going to go and have a dance. And you get up and you start having the time of your life. And at the end of the night, you think, why didn't I get up and dance earlier? Because I've just had the best time ever and it was so much fun. So I don't know whether it was the case that these early chapters just didn't, for whatever reason, kind of click with me. It started off quite good. The first couple of acts I really liked, but the middle was... It just wasn't doing anything for me whatsoever. But then the last part of it, I don't know, something clicked and I just felt like I was making more effort with the game and I felt that the game was, that was kind of being reciprocated in some way. And I think that's probably because it just felt like there was, as I said earlier, it just felt like more of a game, this act. And so I think, I, I felt like I was on more familiar ground with it and was able to enjoy it more as a consequence. Um Again, it's interesting, Maz. I've, I've got no idea if this makes any difference whatsoever because it's uh, up until now, I've always, I thought the best way to play this game was um, like on the days that the kids have been at nursery and I've kind of, it's always been in the morning where um, mm. I'll have the house to myself, I'll go make a coffee, I'll come and sit down completely un- uninterrupted. And I don't know why. Uh, so it's always been the mornings that I've played it in. And then this one is the only time that I've played it in the evening. And I was actually a wee bit short of time as well. So I just came in, closed the door and sat down. And I just seem to be in a completely different frame of mind in the evening time. I'm not sure. So it's... Uh, what, a better frame of mind or what? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just in, just enjoyed the game more. I don't know why. Mm. I don't know if it was because it was at the end of the day and I wasn't thinking... Uh, I, I, maybe I wasn't distracted thinking about stuff that I had of to do later on or whatever. Yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure or... Um, I don't know. I've, I've no idea. But um, I, for whatever reason, I, I can't sort of, you know, other than those reasons I've given, I can't really put my finger on it as to why I enjoyed this one significantly more. Because um, it's a shame. I always thought so after Act 1, like I say, I thought there was a lot of promise in the game. And then it never really kind of delivered on that. Um, mm. And I don't think Act, Act 5 didn't deliver on that either but it's been by far the best since act one and uh mm. it was I'm, I'm glad for me that it finished on this one because uh it just felt like a a, a nice way for it to finish um i did read one reviewer i forget which website it was on now which who who thought that the writers had lost their nerve yeah a little bit when it got to this stage yeah. because tonally it feels very different yes. to yeah well, I think maybe, Matt, you you didn't you know you didn't sense this, but I think one this this particular writer was suggesting that you know they they almost and because of, as well you know you think about how the political landscape in America had changed from twenty twelve to twenty twenty you know massively different times yeah that we that we lived in with Trumpism we we talked a little bit about that last time but. There was this guy thought that they lost their nerve and they felt like they had to put a positive. They had to make it. It's not a happy ending by any stretch of the imagination, and we will describe in a minute what what happens at the end. But it's not a happy ending. But I think three of the out of the four of us, Jim, Jim couldn't care less either way. But I think I think the, the, the impression I'm getting is three of the four of us felt at least there was some hope and some positivity there. I, you know, I'd, I'd get that's what they wanted me 
to, well, that, I felt like that's what they wanted me to feel. But yeah, it's interesting that you said you didn't get the feels from the game after after you, after you did in Disco so much. No, no, no. Disco. I bought into Disco from from the moment I started reading the descriptions of the character attributes in Disco Elysium. Mm. I was in emotionally in big time. Yeah, but this it just left me cold for most of it. It did. It just left me feeling cold, and that's a shame because I badly wanted to love this game. I've been wanting to play it for years, and. I must say, my overall, we can't we can sum up. Although we, we're kind of doing it now as we go, but yeah, I'm my my feeling when I turned it off was one probably of disappointment. Yeah, really? which Shame. is let's go with for the it? end of the the act and then sum up afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do that. So what happens then? Right, so the, the the whole day is leading up to the memorial for the neighbors for the yeah. horses. So Ron is digging his hole. Nikki is is writing her poem, and they're all preparing for this. We go through a couple of, um, as I said, we're running around, we're talking to these people, we're having these interactions. And then at some point, uh, Ron bangs a gong, and he calls people to, uh, rings a bell, uh, and he calls people to the memorial. Ron's, so so we, we they gather round, and, and there's the, the group, the group of people who are in the town are gathered round, and we're talking about the, uh, and my horses were the silver one and the other one. Did, I, did we choose this or was this what the horses were called? Silver one, the other one. And uh, yeah, one of you them choose the names while you're doing the eulogy, don't you? That's right. And yeah. they say you deserve better names. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> silver one, another one. Yeah. That's but Ron is a Ron is hilarious. He's, he's a complete. <laughs> he's a complete grump. Yeah. And all he can say about the horses is, well, at least he won't be crapping on the floors now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think he even said but he it, didn't mind them crapping on them. On, on yeah, the and, then, and, then he, and then he goes on to say, <laughs> and also like, and, he, and I want you guys to know as well that if you guys crapped on my floor, yeah. I wouldn't be angry either. I love so, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we we. Um, we bury the horses, and I think there's some chat about. Well, they're talking about whether they're still talking about whether they're going to stay or go. And someone says, "If you stay, you'll be building on top of a grave." And someone mm. says, "Yeah, but that's true of any town." Mm. So there's a sense of building on things that have gone before. Um, we bury the horses, and Emily sings really nice little ditty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a which, beautiful which song. May, yeah, I liked it. May well. or may not play us out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the song was really beautiful. Nice. That was probably the best part of this episode. Yeah. And this sense of out of the sense I got from this was they're burying the past whilst starting again. Well, the horses, they're not really starting the bur- again. The burying they? of the neighbors. because they're, they're they're escaping, they're leaving. Well, again, perspective, perspective. Not in my time. Because not. there's there's some symbolism going on here. We have all of the all the people who were here earlier are popping up while she's singing. So yeah, the ghosts right. are yeah. quietly also. popping into the scene, and all of a sudden there are more yeah. ghosts here than than real people. Mm. So they and they're chanting along, yeah, aren't they? Exactly. They're they're, sing- mm. they're they're the choir, aren't they? Because the, yeah. the choir gets bigger and bigger and bigger as the as the ghosts pop into to existence. So yeah. so for me, this meant that again on, on my part, my my view of the narrative, this this meant that that the they never really leave, they die. There, there is nothing. This is their life. So, yeah. so, so 
all of these ghosts pop in to say, okay, we tried to escape as well, but we didn't. <laughs> this is where we left. Interesting. So yeah. yeah, I got this. Because why, why else would this, of, the know? ghost be there if they didn't die there? If, if this wasn't their life? Mm. Yeah, I, I read it maybe perhaps that that was them sort of almost, uh, with the neighbours going into the ground, that was them almost coming out of the ground and deciding that kind of, that it given them some sort of, I don't know, that because there was now a new start there with these people deciding to stay there, that they'd sort of had had their closure and, and weren't, this, it somehow enabled them to move on and they were, they were, they were going to leave now. I don't know, that I just mm. sort of, I saw it more as them kind of, that was them sort of finishing with this place and moving on because there was going to be a, a new start and they didn't feel they needed to be there anymore. I'm not but, sure. But why did they stick around then for this part where they were still there and uh, somebody else was there? What, what, what kept them I there? don't know. I don't know if it. I don't know. I don't know if it was waiting for. I don't know if it was waiting for the right people to hand, mm. like almost to hand the town over to the right people or something. Yeah. Or I don't know. I don't know. Mm. There's loads of different ways to look at it. One could be that they they could never be at rest. You know, they're just there. They're hanging around. They can't get rest. The other one is that well, you know, that's their home. They're so happy there that they're coming to welcome the new birth. I don't mm. know. Different ways to different ways to look at it. The feeling I got and the notes I've got is death and regeneration, the continuous circle. Yeah. 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 It was was the impression I got. When the song finishes, our merry band, and I think Mads, this is the point where you ran round for twenty minutes looking for what, what to oh, do God, to progress yeah. the story. <laughs> and I bloody hated this. This <laughs> <laughs> just, just sealed the deal for you, I think, mm, on this app. You run around forever until you figure out, oh, I need to go to Five Dogwood Drive. That's where the, the story ends. So you can see that the losers actually move in there because they've got nothing else to do. They could, they might as well just stay here, <laughs> three of them, in a in an empty town with nobody here. Let, in, a shell uh, of a yeah, in a shell of a house. <laughs> let's just stay here, they're, mate. That's gonna they're be pioneers, Mads. They're pioneers. <laughs> the pioneers. That's no, what no, they no, they're, they're outcasts, the mate. They're outcasts. Nobody wants them. They're sad losers. Yes. That's what they are. <laughs> you losers who are moving to California, you yeah. will, you know nothing. <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> I, I quite intuitively followed our merry band of people back to five Dogwood mm. Drive. Did you guys notice a certain character sitting on the steps when you got there? No. no I don't think I did. Was it Weaver? Was it? I thought oh, I didn't so. see that. Oh, okay. I didn't notice. Nice. Yeah. When you... When you get back, I mean, because I followed them straight away, so the cat got there first. There's someone sitting on the steps. Yeah. And then there's music playing at the house, isn't there? Then the band starts up, yeah. So the band, get once they get there, they they start up, and Dogwood Drive is being furnished over the course of the day. Well, furnished as much as you can furnish a house with no walls. Yeah. Oh, you've got two walls at least. Well, you have two walls. Two walls Mm. and a roof. It's best than not. Maybe not as good as four. And uh, the and I, I thought to myself, I'd like to live there. <laughs> I thought the same. Yeah, I thought I thought this had a nice modern aesthetic to it. I thought I could make this place work. Got some Very nice period, like some James nice, some nice period furniture to go in. Well, I think maybe maybe you don't know. Maybe it, maybe it was just glass on either side. We don't know that yet. So I, I yeah, wouldn't build possibly. a house like that. that pioneer Denmark, spirit. Least, uh, that'd be a bit cold in the winter. <laughs> that pioneer spirit, you know, the way they and the band starts up. It looks like good fun, actually. Yeah, I'd live there. Got an airstrip right next to it. It's perfect. Yeah, it's a bit drafty. Yeah, a bit, a bit. <laughs> missing a couple of walls, but yeah, I think you could, Jim could build some walls. We could all move mm. there. We could be yeah. all good. 
But that's it. The end. Fate of Black. Yes. The end. That is the end. Not quite, Chris. Not quite. Oh, no. Because if you'd met Carrington, and I went through the whole game without meeting Carrington once. So this is so annoying. I met Carrington, but playing on another PC. So I didn't see this because I, I, I played this on my, my own PC at home. And while I met Carrington playing the first episode, I was playing on my on my daughter's uh, gamer PC. Ah, so I didn't okay. get to see this, even though I did meet Carrington two times at, at, at the okay. Bureau of uh, Reclaimed Spaces and in the first episode. So if you did meet Carrington and you were using that save, then you will have unlocked the final interlude, which was Death of a Hired, hired Man. man. What happens, Jim? Not much. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> That's this episode, so you, this act in a nutshell. You're sat, you're basically, um, you're looking in on a conversation, you, <laughs> Harry and uh, Carrington are talking, there's a TV playing in the background. So Harry the barman from the Lower Depths, right? Sorry? Harry the barman from the Lower Depths, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and him, him and Carrie Turner sat there, they're watching a TV. You can change the channels on the TV and at various points in the conversation, they'll reference what they're watching. I think one's like a, a soap opera, one's like a, a racing, uh, there's like a race going on. Um, Carrington mentions his play, says it was doomed from the start. So when you meet Carrington as we go, he's... You, but he, the first time you meet him, he wants to st- he wants to, to do a play. You sort of tell him where to do the play and when to do it. As, as you, so, so didn't he perform it at the mine then? So he, well, he did his play, okay. but he says it was there was no crew <laughs> and there was no audience. Okay, so yeah, it was um, that, doomed from the start. It's your fault then, maybe because you you suggested that that venue for him. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I said yeah, I suggested he do it in the cave, yeah, <laughs> over the PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, Emily's there she talks about a poem uh, and then at the end Harry goes to check on someone I presumed it was Ezra he doesn't say he just says the boy I think mm. and so I presume it's Ezra um, and he goes to check on him he's he's sleeping um, and then Carrington says something on the lines of we've all had a long day let's let him rest yeah. and then that's that's the end so, Death of a Hired Man. That's an is it? Is that the name of a Robert Frost poem, or that's the name of the poem? I think that um, that Emily references. So they actually quote some lines from the poem. Yes. it's a real poem. Yes. Okay, called Robert Frost. Um, okay, so we're not missing much, is what you're saying? Not really. I thought we might get a little bit of closure on on Ezra. Similar to Andy in the last episode, there was only a couple of characters really that I was sort of that bothered about, and, and Ezra was one of them. And yeah, you don't really sort of get any. He's asleep, which yeah, I suppose yeah, it's nice. <laughs> okay. For those listening to this who are thinking, I need to see Death of a Hired Man. The way to do it is go back to Act One, play through that first section at the gas station. Yes. Leave the gas station, go back yes. again. Carrington will yeah. be there. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can quit out of it, and then Death. I'm told that Death of a Hired Man will will appear. It's probably telling that I didn't really feel inclined to do that. No, there was a little bit uh, when you go back onto the Echo, and there's a couple of places that we can go back to. A lot of them are locked. I think if you try and go back to uh, like the, like the, it's not a warehouse, is it? Uh, like a tool shed. You try and go yeah. back to the tool shed and it's locked and and things like that. But you can go back to the mine, and if you go yeah. back to the mine, Carrington's there. 
Okay, so he does appear in a few places, does he? Carrington? He appears at the Equisoils, yeah, and I think he appears at the mine, and I think he comes to see you at the Bureau of Reclaimed Spaces. Yes, yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, summers up, Mads. How overall? Then we've played five acts. Yes. What are your final thoughts? So I'm having a hard time with this because it's like I, I, I'm going back to. I love the fact you brought the brought up the the song of fire and ice um had i stopped before the last book i would have thought this is brilliant i'm i can't wait for the end but i stopped after the last book and i thought hmm what do they do here Where, where's the end and, and and that's how i feel about this game as well I, i'd say if you want to go get into it and if you want to play it play the first four episodes and and i'd say this is for me a nine out of ten i love this game i love the feeling of it it is this was a Twin Peaks vibe, a uh, David Lynch movie, brilliant story being told. I, I love the the whole the setting, the the especially the vibe of 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 the, of the the narrative, right? But it's let down for me for this by this uh, final episode, and I I think I may be alone in this because I I see that a lot of people on our Discord thought that this was a great uh, prelude and uh, and 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 act in itself, but for me. It completely left the main narrative. The the people from the main narrative that enters there, their only real role in this act is that they decide to stay in this washed out town. That it's not a town anymore, but it's a, it's an empty house that they can live in. That that's their only part of this act, really. The rest is is uh, some new people being introduced that we get to see a bit of their lives. But is does it really matter? I'm not not sure. Not to me, at least. So so for me. Episodes one to four, brilliant. I loved it. It was a brilliant game. Um, Act five, episode five, destroyed it for me. Um, so, so I wouldn't play that. Um, wow. On a whole, I loved playing this game. It was a brilliant pick, mate. Um, I, I'm really glad you made us play uh, Kentucky Route Zero. It's not probably not one I would have gotten around to myself, um, even though I've heard about it many times. So, so I'm really glad I played it. But uh, yeah. I loved if we had stopped by Act Four because the the, the mere existence of Act Five taints <laughs> my image of this of this game. That's a that's a, that's a big mm. shame. Yeah, it is, it is. But I loved it. It was a great game. Yeah, I definitely recommend anybody listening to this go play it and make up your own mind about it. I mean, these other guys don't hate Act 5 as much as I do. But but uh, for me, it wasn't that bad in itself. It just didn't didn't fulfill any of the promises that the, the, the preceding ads like, put up for me in any way. So mm. I, f- I feel a bit like uh, comparing this to Disco Elysium. I had, I had an idea of where Disco Elysium was going and it betrayed mm. me in some way. And, and and for that I hated it. And and I feel the same way about episode five of this game. I had an idea of well there are a million story arcs and of course you can't tie all of them up, but at least try to end the main ones, but they didn't. And and, and that kind of put me down, I think. Hmm. Well put. Jim mm. I'll sum up your feelings. Yeah, like Mad said, it's a tricky one, isn't it? Um, I think so far there's there's some really good moments. I think one of the standout ones came in Act Two, where you first meet Julian, 
and you're yeah. running through the woods with uh, with Ezra. And th- these moments are really, really, I really enjoyed. And the, some of the characters that you meet in the game, like the couple that run the restaurant, I love the art style. The soundtrack was was amazing. Yeah. Um, and for those first three acts, I felt like the story was building and, and it was going somewhere. The fact that it, it didn't, to me, I think is one of the things that by the end of it left me so frustrated. Or hmm. that it's so obscure as well. It just, just left me really, really frustrated with it. Um, there was huge chunks of the game that I, I just referencing things that, that I completely missed. And that's not a problem with the game. That's, that's obviously on, on me. It's just things that I didn't pick up on. I didn't understand. And no, I've got right down that, that it, it was, it was funny that. That's the problem with the game. I mean, we, we need to get past the point where we put ourselves to blame for not understanding stuff. Yeah, for I mean, sure. This is your experience yeah. of this game. Yeah. So that is definitely yeah. a, a, a problem with the game. Mm. When you get there, yeah. I mean, this is you know opinions. Yeah. You know, as we've always said on this podcast, one of our biggest things is it's absolutely fine not to like stuff. Yeah, I think it's it's funny that I called my dog Homer because at times, if you ever seen The Simpsons, and there's mm. there's on some episodes where you see inside the side Homer's head, and at times <laughs> playing these games, so I just felt like there was like that that monkey doing somersaults and banging <laughs> the symbols together. I just, just didn't didn't yeah. have a clue what was going on. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think just by the end of it, I think yeah, there just wasn't enough in the story mm. or the gameplay. Um, and by the end of it, I was just sort of like, nah, okay. But, yeah. yeah. But having said all of that, I am glad we've pl- I've played it because there's no if you hadn't have picked if you hadn't have picked this, Chris, there was no way I would have ever played this game. So I am glad I've played it. But I think for me, I'd, I'd put it on that sort of on the not for me pile. That's fair enough and well said, Andy. Final thoughts. And may we never speak... No, that's not true. No, we will, we will speak of the game again, I'm sure. Yes, no, thankfully, following Act 5, I'm, I I feel that I would be um, be more than happy to talk about it at length. And I think, to be fair, I think it's one of these games that's going to sit under my skin for a wee while and will probably just stew away in the background. It's not a quick fix, this game, and I think that's maybe one, no. of, the, one of the sort of the sticking points with me. Because um, I have noticed over the last week or two, while... I've had a wee bit of quiet time if I've just been sort of wandering around. You do find yourself revisiting various things in the game and mm. still find yourself thinking about them. And it's that way where, I don't know, the game's just left me with a feeling that it's like when you're trying to remember a specific word and it's just on the tip of your tongue or just at the back of your mind, but then it just, you can't quite grasp it. That's kind of just what the experience of this whole game has been like, where you feel at times you've been close to understanding some things or getting what some of the meanings, but then... It just never comes, and there's sort of a, a frustration, definitely a frustration with that. Um, and to say, you know, definitely to echo Jim's point on that, and and what Mads was saying about it also is that um, I think I both it, it left me feeling, and I feel underqualified to play this game in some respects. You know, coming into it, I don't have the background that obviously you would really benefit from have by having when you play it, yeah. but also the game doesn't do anything to help you if you don't have that background and so yeah i i, I think yeah i think that's maybe a fair point mads i think that's maybe a slight shortcoming on that side of things 
Yeah, but but there's something there's there's some the Emperor's New Cloth about that whole argument about well probably the game was just too clever for me. I mean that that's bullshit really. Yeah. Isn't it? I mean. Yeah, I I like the fact that you know there's maybe if this is that game that I I do like the fact that there's a game that exists for if there's people who are you know from a sort of a um in terms of you know reading writing um poetry some of these mm, yeah. references some of these cultural references I, I i love the fact that the game exists that is that will literally just you know you will probably never find another game that will that will float their boat as much as what this does mm-hmm. um whether that's at the expense of and what kind of proportion of people playing the game are off that background i don't know to be honest and maybe that's the sticking point is that for the the very much it's it's not a particularly accessible game in that respect you can play it at kind of like as i did you can play it at a fairly basic level but obviously there's there's so much that's mi- that you're missing out on and it's almost like uh, you do you sort of you, you, you do find yourself thinking you know is the problem with me or um it's it, it there are times i think maybe where sometimes uh, i find myself thinking that there maybe some of the writing if there is such a thing maybe some of the writing was almost too good it was almost too well written because there's there's times sometimes if you're playing a game, a game particularly, where there's... I, I'm just used to a lot of the words are up on the screen as being... You know, a lot of it's filler, to be honest, and then you can mm. kind of skim through it and just pick out the important points. But I think maybe yeah. the way that this is written is that you can't really do that with it. You've got to really... You've got to really be in the mood to sit down and sort of really not just read, but like properly absorb what what is being said and how it's being well, said. That's all there is, right? Pardon yeah, me? That's all there is. Yes, yeah, exactly. And I think because I've got such little experience, you know, with this type of game, is that you're, you're probably maybe, I was maybe, uh, you, you're still sort of waiting for the game, other parts of the game to compensate for that, whereas it's not going to. It's it's purely about the writing. And I think that's maybe where I sort of felt sh- fell short a little bit was that that's, that's the mistake I made, was that I was kind of um, maybe not paying... Sort of, or giving that the sort of the attention and the respect it it maybe needs. I don't know. Um, but you know, the, the flip side to that is that I have worked out that I don't need to necessarily like something to enjoy it. If that makes any sense, um, yeah. I've uh, I see where the, you're coming from. The, there's there's been a lot about this game that you know um, I will kind of um, you know that I, I will I'll look back on it fondly, not from the point of view that it's sort of one of my sort of greatest game experiences, but it was something different. I can see it took me out of my comfort zone. That's a good thing. I like that. Um and definitely, definitely I think if nothing else, it has well and truly lit a spark for maybe going and playing a proper point and click type game. Um, I would absolutely yeah. love to go and say you know if, if you could go and play a game of sort of maybe more of this nature that maybe has just got a slightly more grounded script and maybe something that's just a bit more Pretty uh, much accessible. any other point-and-click game. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. It sounds like it. So, you know, be good there. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You want a problem finding one. Yeah, yeah so, um, you know, coming back to what I said earlier, I, I would consider that sort of, you know, this game and I, we, we probably sort of, we'll, um, we'll give each other a, a, a hearty handshake and go our separate ways, I think, and, you know, <laughs> thank each other for our time. For me, my summing up, uh, I, I am disappointed. I am. I can't help it. 
Uh, I do feel disappointed. And Andy, all this stuff about intellect and you, Jim, you know, thinking, you know, this this game is too clever. I'm not clever. I mean, that's that that Mads is right. You know, that is that is bullshit. I mean, we are, you know, we're all four intelligent guys. It, it's a question of taste, you know. Some yeah, people, yeah. some people like structure to their narrative. Some people like puzzle games. Yeah, I love, I love, and you know, the guys, the guys who made this have have spoken of this at this difference between a puzzle game and a mystery game. About yeah, you know, and this this came from the Iraq War. You know when they talk about the difference between trying to find uh, Saddam Hussein versus trying to find Osama bin Laden, and one was a puzzle in that they didn't have enough information. So if they had all the information, they'd be able to to, to solve it. Mm-hmm. And one is where you've got too much information, you've got so much that you just can't quite work out what's going on. And this is definitely. Yeah. This is definitely a mystery game in that it throws so much at you, so many characters, so many themes, so much, and you have to work out in your mind what what it means for you. And I think people like, some people like that style of film, they like that style of literature. Others prefer things where you can sit back, you can watch it, and it spoon-feeds you the, the story. Yeah. I think, you know, very in keeping with this game, I think I'm probably somewhere in between. Yep. So I don't mind things that are abstract. I don't know. I think, and I think Mads is kind of talk about expectation as well. It, there's definitely, it just isn't what I expected. And I purposefully hadn't read too much about it going into it. But I did expect more of a regular structured plot that's the way I like my adventure games, un- yeah. un- unfortunately. But I am really, really glad this game exists. I know there are lots and lots of people who love it, and that's great. But it, kind of taking one step back away from the game and looking at adventure games, because this is this is an adventure game. This, it occupies, again, a space between... You know, it was only 20 years ago when adventure games were probably the most popular genre of game. Yeah. They were some of the most expensive to make. And since then, they've really fallen from grace. And now they've they've had this resurgence as this kind of niche genre of these, some of them more conventional, but a lot of them more um, experimental, more, you know, the walking simulator. We've already mm-hmm. played one. Firewatch is, a, is, a, is an example of a game which doesn't really have any mechanical... Um, appeal, but but it's about the story and the feel. Yeah, we have the telltale is, things as well. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, the adventure genre has had to reinvent itself probably a couple of times now to get back to some kind of level of niche popularity. Kentucky Route Zero really leans into those really classic adventure games. There's so many text adventure references. It, part of this game is a text adventure. So it, it, And it's doing that in 2020 so the fact that it exists and what it means possibly for the future of adventure games i actually find quite exciting it's just this particular game probably for some of the reasons i explained in at the, the end of the last episode when mads asked why it wasn't quite clicking for me whether it's a political thing in my mind whether it's just a kind of a, i was expecting something so different or whether it's just for whatever reason the writing just didn't make me feel like other games have, mm. I come away from it with a real sense of, I could have loved it, but I didn't. And at times I didn't even like it. I think my overall feeling, gotten to, having got to the end, is I do like it. I don't want to play it again, but I do like it. 
and I'm glad it exists, and I'm glad we played it, and I'm really grateful to you guys for sticking with it and playing it. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, I'm not. I'm not sorry. I picked it, even though I'm disappointed with it. And I feel like, if nothing else, that we have got something out of it from being able to talk about it. So, yeah, onwards and uh, upwards, I say. I do think as well that obviously this game took a Kickstarter to 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 get made. I think where the industry is now, I don't think that's the case. I think this this today this game would probably get made without a Kickstarter, possibly. Possibly, yeah. We said I mean, remember when, but, but remember when it was kickstarted? It was a kind of some kind of weird Metroidvania platformer as well. Oh, was yeah. it? But but, but, I t- but I do take your point though. I do take your point. I think that the the industry now is more open to this kind of uh, storytelling, hmm. definitely, yeah. than it was ten years ago. I do agree with that. But we said back in sort of the original pilot as well that you know. There was there's a, a whole wealth of games out there that you know kind of, uh, and this game will be I'm dare so it'll be a ten out of ten for a lot of people. But we said you know there's so many games that are kind of six seven out of ten that just yeah. don't get the attention that they deserve, and so yeah. you know it, it might not be always the best game as such. You know it might not be kind of it might not sit in your all time top five or top ten the games that we play through this podcast, but it actually makes it more interesting to discuss as a consequence. You know if you just keep if we just go for shoeing classics every time, then you know there's 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 some value in that, but there's just as much value in picking something that um, you know is maybe sits a bit more uh, sits a bit more on the fence, and then it's quite interesting to go and find out where where we where we sit on that individually, rather than something that we'll probably universally love. So our aim is to find a game that we all agree on. We either all universally love or we universally hate, and. For the next attempt at that, Andy, it falls upon <laughs> you. But before we introduce our next game, let's let our listener, Aaron Morpin, have the final word on Kentucky Route Zero. I almost said Disco Elysium. I didn't. Kentucky <laughs> Route Zero. Here he is. This is Aaron Maupin with some thoughts on Kentucky Route Zero. I didn't kickstart Kentucky Route Zero, but I did buy it when the first act was released. I played Act 1, then 2, and then just never got around to playing further. After finishing Act 5, my final impression is that the game tied everything together with just enough plot threads to leave me barely satisfied. I would have liked more explanation of Weaver Marquez's pirate video broadcasts and maybe a final word on Conway. But plot is not of chief importance in Kentucky Route Zero. Instead, impression, interpretation, and atmosphere matter. We choose the dialogue and sometimes the actions of characters, but these choices matter little to the story except to inform our own interpretation of events. There are stunning moments in this game that I'll never forget such as the Marquez farmhouse and barn in Act 1, the performance of Johnny and Junebug in Act 3, and the passing of the Iron Pariah in Act 4. The interludes, the entertainment, and Un Pueblo de Nada are by far my favorite moments in the game. The rising storm and rising tension of the last broadcast of WEVP were riveting. Where the game drops the ball in my opinion, is in the ever-increasing size of the ensemble of characters on stage. 
I would much rather the game focused on a handful of characters instead of adding a handful more every act. Act 5 was a disappointment to me because most conversations were between a member of the core group that had assembled around Conway's last delivery and secondary characters. There was no group discussion by the main characters as a whole about the town. I loved some moments of Kentucky Route Zero. I liked quite a few more. There's nothing else quite like this game, and I loved playing along with the Discord group. If ever a game stimulated discussion, this was it. And of course, it was fun listening to you guys try to summarize the plot. That's all from me. Thanks. So that was Morpin. Thank you, mate. Really appreciate the clip, and thank you for all those on Discord who play Kentucky Route Zero with us. It's there was there was a nice little group of us all all playing along, and our, our friend Reese Wink in Congreva streamed some of his playthrough as well. Although I would have thought if any game is is yeah, don't know, not suitable to be streamed. Maybe it's this one. I don't know. Anyway, I hope people <laughs> watched. I didn't get to to tune in, but uh, that that is that is the final word on Kentucky Reach Zero. So thank you, uh, Morpin. And now, I'd like to say for something completely different, but I really don't think it is going to be completely different. I actually think there's going to be, uh, it's going to be similar in a lot of ways. So I'm handing over terrible, to mate. terrible <laughs> Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> Yeah, thank you very much. Cheers, Chris. Um, yeah, uh, there will be similarities, albeit there'll be some pretty significant differences as well. So um, I don't think... One I... is about five foot two and blonde, isn't she? Yes, yeah, I will say no more because I'll. for those who don't know, that can be a, a, that'll be a, a nice little uh, Easter egg that you find out further down the line. Um, yeah, other differences, I don't think I've ever felt the need to wear a nappy while I was playing Kentucky Route Zero either. So it's... Uh, <laughs> That might be the case with this one, but... Um, the less said about your personal habits, the better. <laughs> it might have made more it's, sense if you were. Friday act. night, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, so it won't be a secret to anybody who follows us on our Discord channel, but uh, as it's been on there for some time, if you've listened to Waffle 2.0, you'll know that it's in there also, but the final game for this season is... Um, Supermassive Games 2015 release, which is a PS4 only release, sadly. So I hope most of you are able to get access to that. But um, we do try to keep it multi-platform where possible. But now and again, I guess there will be the odd game that comes along that maybe justifies going for a a platform exclusive. Um, And this was one of them in my books. Um, So it's Until Dawn. Um, I'll give you a wee bit of a spiel here this is just the blurb that's straight off um supermassive games own website the reason being and we've discussed this with previous games as well is that uh we try if possible to come into these games if they're if they're ones that we haven't played before i know that i certainly try to avoid spoilers and i think it's the same for you guys as well so it's much better i think if you can come into these games blind and then just discuss it as and when it unfolds um so i've tried to spoil as little for myself as possible which makes it a wee bit tricky sometimes to get the information beforehand but uh nonetheless this is just uh to give you an an idea at least as to what is in store and whether or not it's something that you think you might like to play along with but uh i think it's one that'll lend itself quite well to this podcast to be honest um so here we go In an unpredictable and dynamically adaptive story crafted in consultation with Until Dawn scriptwriters and indie horror auteurs Laurie Fessenden and Graham Resnick, eight friends come together at a remote mountain getaway and embark upon a night of unexpected terror. Through the course of the night, anyone can live, 
anyone can die and things aren't always what they seem. Twists and turns will keep you guessing right to the end as you play each of the friends. The decisions you make on their behalf will determine who survives until dawn. With innovative choice mechanics and the butterfly effect interface, players can clearly see the path of their story amid the thousands, apparently, that are possible, seemingly insignificant choices, as well as huge moral dilemmas that will question your sense of fairness, good and evil, and it all can have major unforeseen consequences. So that's that's enough to get me and fairly excited. I think that's going to be quite good. Yeah. Um, yeah. The actual sort of structure of the game, again, I've tried to find out as much as I can without spoiling things. It seems to be over the course of 10 chapters. Uh, the yeah. general consensus seems to be that each one of them is about an hour long. Um, once bitten, twice shy, but our favourite website, How Long to Beat, lists it at about 10 hours. So I think you can, right away, you can add 50% to the times that are on that. <laughs> um, that seems to have been our experience so far. I suspect it's probably going to be a total playtime of somewhere between, I would guess, 12 to 15 hours, depending on how quickly or otherwise you play these games. Um, I've heard it plays out pretty much in real time over the course of a night. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah so that's probably, yeah. So about- 12 hours 10 to 12 hours is what I yeah I've read. yeah yeah that sounds sensible I mean quite often you see the uh it's I, I think maybe like the, the completionist times that they quite often list on um how long to be I think they seem to be the more realistic or representative times of of how we seem to be playing our games because we're not just rattling through them we do try to sort of explore and uh, kind of get our money for our collectibles we love our collectibles don't we searching every nook and cranny i just press x on every single little square pixel (laughs) yes and so you should um so yeah as i say the the plan really is initially um we're going to do it with three podcasts so uh the the first one the first episode for this game will cover the introduction a wee bit about the game's production its reception all these sorts of things and chapters one two and three uh, the second episode will cover chapters four, five, six, and seven, and then the final chapter will, be, or the final episode rather, will be um, chapters eight, nine, ten, and our conclusions. Um, we're kind of going in a wee bit blind because we're not quite sure how long the playtime will be for each. But I think it's probably better rather than trying to rejig the podcasts. It's probably actually easier that we just split it like that, and then if we find ourselves getting through it a wee bit quicker, we'll just record that a little bit earlier, and there'll be three short episodes rather than two slightly longer ones. Um, Three short episodes? Yes, because we're good at those. (laughs) (laughs) It hasn't been a problem so far, so I'm not sure why that should be any different. Um, It should be a good one to play from the point of view that, as far as I'm aware, that... um, it's not really a game that's possible. You don't. There's no game over state as such. You basically play through the events of each of the chapters, and what yeah. you do within that chapter, what choices you make, affects maybe whether or not that person survives, doesn't survive. Different events happen. So um, as the game unfolds, we're all going to have slightly different experiences, and I think it'll be quite interesting to discuss the choices that we made and what ended up happening as a consequence throughout the game. Um, yeah. I'll warn you in advance for those of a sensitive disposition. Uh, I think the game is, at times, it is meant to be quite scary. Um, it was oh, nonsense. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm going to take that sound clip, Chris, and uh, we're going to play that later on after the first we'll episode. see how that ages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, I... 
I I've got a fairly active imagination, and uh, I I suspect that this game is going to get into my head, and maybe uh, maybe just uh, I, I may regret making this choice, but it's something different. We haven't had a kind of we have had a we've had a survival horror, but we've not had an out and out horror game yet. So this yeah. is a good one to try. Um, yeah, I've played a little well. bit. Having played a little bit of Rush of Blood, like there's a VR spin-off from the series. It's uh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's terrifying. Yeah, and I think well, what kind of sold it for me as well was that uh, for those of you who have PS fives, and it'll be through your PS Plus collection. It's in that, and I think yeah. Jim, you might be able to tell me: is it? Or, sorry, Chris, you've got one also. Um, is it twenty games, twenty odd games that they've selected for that PS four collection that you get for free on the PS five? Not quite as many as that. Is, is it eighteen? I think it's okay. Fifteen, oh, well, something. Well, like yeah. That. So, yeah, yeah. So, I guess even better. So that th- this game is amongst that. So they obviously saw that as being one of the sort of the you know the top twelve or fifteen games worthy of sort of representing the mm-hmm. best that the PS4 had to offer. So that was my kind of thinking yeah. as to and even even without that, it was a PS Plus game. So all of yes. those games were PS Plus games. So check your uh, if you don't think you've got it check your your, your history you maybe yeah. added it to your library at some point yeah I and I just thought it was quite interesting that for about so, 8 quid as well Sony yeah. obviously feel it's worthy of um, you know that it does that it does show off something different to maybe a, what a lot of other games do so let's go find out together excellent safety and numbers and all that and if you'd like to play along with us come and join us on Discord link on the website or you can just hit one of us up on, on Twitter, or you can just tweet at playthrough, playthrough underscore pod, playthrough underscore pod, yeah, playthrough underscore pod, and come and come and join in with the discussion on, on Discord with a few of us who are going to be playing along. If you're listening to this in 2027, come and see us. We may still be on Discord, who knows? Um, but just enjoy it anyway, and you can play along with us when whenever you like. By that point, it'll be retro. So, yeah, maybe it'll be on some <laughs> retro podcast, who knows? But we'll be back for sure to talk about Until Dawn. Until then, my absolute sincere and total thanks to you guys for sticking with Kentucky Route Zero and enjoying it and playing it with me. It would have been way less fun to play it on my own with no one to talk to. So thank you to Mads, Andy and Jim. Good evening, gentlemen. And to all those who have played along with us, we'll see you once again, I'm sure. On the zero. I've heard of a land of joy and peace and wonderful life. A beautiful place of mansions fair and skies so bright. Where all who believe the Savior dear forever shall stay. And having been saved by grace divine, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Yes, dear, the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to him and never to stray. Just singing praises all day long. I'm going that way. 
glorious news I tell and sing as onward I go. For those who are still astray in sin, my Savior may know. I want them to sing that praise above some beautiful day. For glory to Him who died for me, I'm going that way. I know I shall meet Him at the gate when trials are past. I know I shall meet Him face to face in glory at last. Oh, I believe that when we meet, well done, He'll say. Trusting the soul redeem in love, I'm going that way. I'm going that way. I'm going that way. Yes, dear, the Savior I adore is with me each day. I'm clinging to Just singing praises all day long I'm going that 